Hello everyone and welcome to And The Winner Was. My name is Joel Winstead and this is my journey. I'm watching every Best Picture winner in order, starting in 1927 with Wings. With each episode, I'll be covering a different film with a different guest. With me today is film, uh, film critic Kevin Brackett of Review St. Louis and The Real Spoilers Podcast. Kevin, thank you for joining me today. Hi Joel, thanks for having me. Uh, it's always good to class this place up with people that are... Um, know what they're talking about more than i do oh <laughs> are you sure you you're talking to the right person <laughs> uh so this is your first time on the show and i always ask people their first time what their relationship is with with best picture winners okay i thought you were gonna ask me what my relationship was with the movie cavalcade and my hit <laughs> my long storied history with this film no um, I you know I've seen a lot of most obviously in the last couple decades since I've been a big film buff I've seen most recent ones I haven't gone back and watched a ton of the older ones if I look at the 1930s list I've seen All Quiet on the Western Front uh, <laughs> Cavalcade um, <laughs> Mutiny on the Bounty Gone with the Wind of course uh, but I haven't seen a whole lot of older ones. And so when you invited me on to talk about this film, I had never even heard of it. I had no idea mm -hmm. what this was. Uh, upon doing some more research, I realized that I recognized the VHS cover for whatever right. reason. I knew what the VHS looked like for this movie. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, uh, that's about it. Um, you know what? Pretty bold marketing. Picture of the generation. <laughs> picture of the generation. And uh, uh, wow, okay. I mean, there were moving pictures. I, they got that part right. That's right. It definitely... Uh, I mean, if, it might have been a picture of a generation, and it's definitely stuck in my mind for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> <laughs> um, so today we're talking Cavalcade, uh, winner of the Best Picture at the 6th Academy Awards, Directed by Frank Lloyd, written by Reginald Berkeley, based on the play by Noel Coward, starring Diana Winward, uh, Clive Brook, Una O'Connor, and Herbert Munden. I've got to get this out of the way right now. I did not like this movie at all. I, you have seen more. When I first started this this trek, I hadn't seen. I had maybe seen one movie from the 1930 Best Picture winners. So you're definitely ahead of me in that regards. And getting through these has been rough. There's some gems in there, like All Quiet on the Western Front is like definitely up there. Um, but there's some rough ones, uh, and this is a rough one. Uh, yeah, this this movie's horrible. Uh, I mean, you're talking about the sixth Academy Awards. Clearly, there wasn't a ton to base it on. It's, it's a little unfair now that we've seen... 90 plus years of film and things have advanced and obviously they've taken inspiration from these older films and everything but this has to be one of the worst best picture winners of all time i'm just yeah. gonna throw that out there i think on the imdb trivia it's like the lowest rated it's something like a five five point yeah. two uh, it, it's not good there's no. there, i mean i don't know how much you want to jump into our thoughts overall on this movie you tell oh, me what we're I, jumping into everything <laughs> i want to start right away <laughs> Yeah. So during the opening credits, I noticed that there's a credit for war scenes. Like somebody was credited for war scenes. Wow. And right away I was just like, what, is, what does that entail? Did he direct them? Did he... Because there's only one like war scene. Well, yeah. First of all, war scenes. What they mean is war montage. And <laughs> right. this film should have won the Academy Award for most annoying montages of all time. <laughs> the most uh, unsubtle montage of I all mean, time. I was like, I, I was glad I wasn't epileptic. First of all, the <laughs> amount of audio that they mixed together in these yeah. montages was yeah. so annoying. I'm I'm the type of person that I've never walked out of a movie. Once I start a movie, I do not stop it. I finish it. Mm -hmm. I don't fast forward i don't watch on 2x whatever mm -hmm. i wanted so badly to skip past those war montages they were worthless it was like let's throw a bunch of noise and flashing pictures at the screen they were so annoying and it went on forever and then there was yes. like unexplicably a picture of like christ on the cross like superimposed <laughs> into it too it was it was wild it yeah. was wild. There, there is a lot of choices on this film. A lot of choices. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, and I, you know, and and the other thing too is you say this is based on a play. I'm not familiar with the play, but apparently it was big enough to turn into a film. These actors clearly came from the stage and were not film actors, and they are not acting to a camera. They're acting to a three thousand 
seat theater. You know, I, like there, there's no subtlety in these performances. So many yeah. of them are going so big, and yeah. it's absurd. I, you know, I don't know how that's, best direction. It's that's absurd. The the lead character Diane uh, Winyard was nominated for best actress, yeah. and and she's, she's one of the mind. better ones. But, but the other gal. The other gal putting on the Cockney oh. accent is like Una Una she's, O'Connor. She's going nuts. Like she is so like that is such a theater like 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 oh I'm playing my fair lady. I can't even do it. But you know like yeah. oh governor like yeah. she's doing such a theater performance. You know what I mean? And it's different. Like theater actors obviously they can move yeah. between mediums, but yeah. when you're playing to a large crowd, it's different than when the camera's in your face and we're right there, you know, with you at, at watching the movie. And so I, there was just Again, no subtlety in, in a lot of the performances, and they seemed so theatrical, which is just not necessarily what you're looking for in a film. Oh no! So that that's is this is one of the biggest things that I run into watching these early films is, you know, they're just trying to transition. They're very in the first years of transitioning from silent films to to talking, and a lot of them are like bringing that silent film like energy like the big expressions and the you know right. the playing to the camera to like convey these things that you just can't when you don't have this when you don't have sound and a lot of them are are stage actors yeah and they just there's no like character acting <laughs> there was still some so like this year in 1933 there was a movie called I'm a fugitive from a chain gang okay and that movie is extraordinary it should have won best picture uh Paul Mooney um, who would go on to play like Emil Zola in the life of Emil Zola, and he was the original Scarface. Um, he plays I'm in the I'm a fugitive chain from a change gang, and he from a chain gang, and he was like next level actor, like doing stuff that people like Brando would eventually start doing in yeah. those early days. Like he he was on top of it. He like had some subtly. Charles Lawton was around this time. He was doing some great stuff, but for the most part, these people are playing. They don't. It's like they're still in the theater, and they're still like even the way they staged the the dialogue when they were talking to each other. They were still opened up to yeah. the camera, like like you would to a stage to like an audience in the theater. Right. It was it was it was rough, and like the, we first introduced these characters. It's like New Year's Eve. That's the same house. It's like a husband and a wife. They're two kids, and then like the help, and they have a child, a baby. Um, so we're gonna introduce these people. And like I just already I'm just knee deep in like my issues with these early movies. This this stilted, overly theatrical, you know, the fake crying that they do, <laughs> and they do they do a lot of fake crying in this movie. Right. But Una O'Connor, the 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 maid, is doing like next level cringe crying. It's, it's like it's yeah. bad. It's it, bad. She's she is not good. I'm sorry. It's just and again, it maybe on the stage it would come off a little differently, but like the whole again, I, it seems like a Cockney accent. You know, she's a servant, <laughs> right, so they're right. giving her that. You know, the lower class, and there's obviously the discussion in this film of like the right. lives that people live, the rich right. people and the poorer people, and all that stuff, and they intersect. Uh, yeah. But but her whole thing she's doing is so big, and it's just it seems silly. Where you know, at least at least the other gal what who's the gal that was nominated for diana winyard yeah like there is some subtlety to her performance like she is she is one of the best actors in the film so i understand the nomination but some of the other ones and like the her husband the guy that plays alfred herbert munden you know i I mean he is kind of funny but like he plays it's he's such a caricature he's like uh you know he's like a chimney sweep out of mary poppins type thing you know he's just (laughs) like alfred yeah 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 yeah, he's like a caricature and and and, uh, yeah so anyway yeah there's just no subtlety to these to most of these performances and you know, I'm I'm beginning to think that the reason this won three Academy Awards, again, I mean, obviously, this is very early, and, you know, they haven't seen as many films as we have, and, mm-hmm. and so they're doing new things, and, and I think it's the ambition, right? You're telling a two-decade-long story, or three-decade, however long it is, mm-hmm. and uh, war, and there's a ship, and there's all this, like, it's, it's ambitious, right? There's a lot right. going on, and yeah. so I think they were like, wow, they made a big movie, but, yeah. but at the end of the day this film what is the point i don't uh, this is a very slight story there's i'm i i was left asking myself what was the point of this story what did we learn did the characters grow what i I just it was like 
it was like a bunch of historical events strung together by a few scenes of people living the most depressing, miserable life ever. Right. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, you know, the, this whole, like, idea of a cavalcade, you know, and they keep, to show the passage of time, they keep, like, superimposing, like, this cavalcade of horses and people, yeah. you know, marching from right to left across the screen. And, like, and then they would, like, superimpose, like, 1908 and 1912. And, and so, like, that was the passage of time. Like, time never ends. Time doesn't stop. It's an endless cavalcade. And, like, I guess that came across but the people who we were following and their lives were very uninteresting and Yo, um, yeah not i mean told in a very engaging way no i didn't care about them i didn't i i did not connect with them i just thought it was a very like you said i mean it was they're very bland it was very boring to watch these characters and old movies don't have to be boring and i there's certainly better movies i mean you said the other one that that should have won best picture yeah. i haven't seen it but sure over this yeah uh, there's uh, little women came out in the same year give it to that over this I, there's right. so many better films and uh, this one again i think that they just saw the ambition or as as we had joked about off mic maybe someone was paid off i don't know it just <laughs> The, the this was not a good film it's not a compelling story and maybe the stage play depending on who the actors are and you're there in the audience maybe you can feel the performance a little more and feel the heartbreak and heartache and everything of the tragedy of the story but um yeah this just wasn't it for me well and when i did like the, my research and i was looking up like the stage play the stage play itself was like Super expensive. It was a huge like spectacle. They brought event. buses on stage, and they uh, yeah, they had yeah. like hydraulic lifts, and like the stage would move, and it was like a huge thing. And so five hundred people on stage, I heard. Yeah, and so I think that because it was such a spectacle, yeah, the fervor to see it on screen, especially all the people who probably couldn't afford to see it uh, in the Great Depression. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's not not great. So <laughs> it's the unfilmable play, right? At that time, yeah. it's like people yeah. are saying, like, you can't. How are you going to make a movie on that scale right. with five hundred people and all these buses and locations and stuff? And then they did it, and I think people were like, oh my god, people that knew in this, you know, in the thirties, what cavalcade was that mm -hmm. that play was from thirty or thirty one or something. They were like, oh my god, they did it, and yeah. I think that was what it was. Was at the time very early in cinema to where that was an impressive feat and now when we're looking at things like the story and the performances right uh, you know it just doesn't hold up yeah no this was their hamilton <laughs> which is <Yeah. laughs> very unfortunate so i want to there's so much insanity in this movie that it won't make sense unless we we put it into some context so it starts out on new year's eve in 1899 um the 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 man of the house and like the head servant man are like going to war that night they're they're going on a boat to fight against the boers in south africa and so then they leave and then we're stuck at the house literally stuck at the house with the wife the kids and then the servant wife and her young child and we're with them for a long time as they're like mourning and scared and like constantly crying and yelling at organ players and Oh, don't forget uh, cutting in musical numbers randomly that have no bearing on anything. <laughs> no, yeah, yes, we are subjected to plenty of, <laughs> but even like like the Broadway Melody, which which came out, which was the Best Picture winner before the second Best Picture winner, that had intercut Broadway like numbers and like musical numbers, and at least it made sense. Like this is just like. We're at this event and like, let's watch this for literally eight minutes. It, yeah, it, I, you know why? It's because this story is so slight. It's so right. boring. It's like it's like the two men go to war, they come back, and things still aren't good. And they go to war again, tragedy strikes, they come back, things aren't good. And they're like, oh, that's okay. And then this movie that they want to make a grand epic, it's uh, what does it take place over? Tw Thirty years? Tw yeah, because it goes right up to almost the time the movie was released, right? So it goes from eighteen ninety nine to nineteen thirty three. Okay, thirty years, and it's a less than two hour movie. I mean, <laughs> and and it has three or four musical numbers, full musical numbers in it. So it's like they could have yeah. told a lot more story, a lot more character development. They could have made us care about these characters, but they basically just told us historical events 
happened tragedy right. struck and let's follow around the most boring characters doing nothing as, as right. far as characters not really yeah. growing or learning anything and then at the you know oh, and then we'll get to the end but you're just left <laughs> with this empty feeling where you're just like what <laughs> it's it's it, it's insane They're, they you know another criticism i have is like there's you know i'll say a thousand times show don't tell yeah they they're constantly telling us like they went to war and then they came back but obviously like alfred the 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 main butler guy was like really affected by the war and came back like a drunk and an alcoholic yeah tell his story a little like give him exactly. some time to Show actually us, like yeah. his feet on the ground like that war so i looked up the boers war uh it lasted from 18 er, well this is the second boer war which lasted from 1899 to 1902 so they were gone for like three years mm-hmm. so they get back into town in 1902 we see Alfred and Una O'Connor's baby, which they're like in their 50s and they have a very small child. <laughs> and this was like a baby. And they get yeah. back three years later. And I have a two-year-old who's like running around, yelling, screaming, tearing the house apart. So this baby of theirs is supposed to be three years old. And it's still in the it's same. It's a baby in the, ca- in the it's carriage. Still, it's still a baby in the same yeah. carriage. Uh, there's no way that that child was three years old. And the only pram. reason I- Sorry, it's a pram. Oh, okay. So the only reason I bring that up, the continuity of that, is because pretty soon, like, this thing transitions and goes from, like, year to year, like, quick. Like, they're trying to get through three decades in, like, under two hours. But pretty soon, it's 1908. There's been five years since we've seen... Jane and Robert, Diane and and the the her husband's kids, and they were maybe like seven or eight years old, like little kids playing like war with like dolls. Yeah, and it's been five years, and then the actors who play the kids are literally like twenty years old, <laughs> so they <laughs> oh don't age gosh, up like, the baby. That's but a then theater, they age it's a up- theater. It's a theater thing because you're talking about Joey, right? Or what is it? Joey yeah, is the- Joey and okay. and Edward. Joey's like. Hello, Papa. I am a little boy. That's how he acts. It's like it was such a ridiculous, yeah. terrible performance yeah. because he has to age up, and then when he's a man, hi, right. I'm off to war now. I'm right. Joey. It's like I, I was like, is this the same actor? Like I could tell because he looked like him, but it. I'm like, oh, that's the same actor, but one was an adult playing a little boy. It was <laughs> and like, he, like, like I mean, he should have been holding a lollipop and wearing one of those hats with a yeah, ribbon I coming was, off of it. Like, one hundred percent. He's so ridiculous the way he acted, and he was a full grown man doing it. And again, that's something that on the stage seems a lot more yeah. normal, right? I right. I saw To Kill a Mockingbird last night, the national tour written by Aaron Sorkin. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Phenomenal show. The kids in the show are played by adults, and they have them dressed mm-hmm. in overalls and stuff. On the stage, you can get away with it. It doesn't look right. ridiculous. You can play different ages, and you can play kids and whatever. In a film, it just doesn't. It, it's something just the way that we're wired, but it doesn't work like that because no, you know, in a work. film, you can cast different actors to play different roles. You don't have to have Joey play a baby and play a, an adult man at war. Like right. you, you've got a budget with a bunch of actors, and you can film them at different times, right? You don't need to have right. a troupe that's all at the same night performing. So. You just yeah. don't do that with a film. And so it was a very odd choice. And it was, and that was ridiculous. That immediately took me out. I'm like, what is this kid doing? Because you know what? Because he's a grown man, but he's supposed to be 10 or something. And that's why he's yeah. acting ridiculous. So yeah. insane. So insane. And like I mean, the passage of time theme, it's about as subtle as a sledgehammer. Yeah. Uh, at one point, uh, Alfred comes back from war there. He's like bought a, a bar with the help of his uh, owner, his uh, former master. Follow and, um, him. Follow his PTSD. Follow what well, he's going through. Well, they do follow you know? him. He he owns the bar. He goes out. He gets drunk. He gets really mad at his daughter for like no reason, and then goes out in the street and gets like well, clapped. Yeah, yeah by so this. I meant follow follow him more than two minutes is what I meant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he gets dropped by like a horse and carriage, yeah. which you see happen. Which I mean, it's obviously a dummy, but like that was like yeah. I was like okay, it was like the best part of the movie. And then Una wanders out and is like do 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 look down. Oh <laughs> right, right, and then she like starts her terrible fake crying this and then like looks at the camera and goes time is so cruel and it's like oh my god we get it like this is melodramatic it's all get out Mm -hmm. it's so bad and then like they just they put in famous happenings and famous things like uh edward the 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 oldest son um, oh my gosh! I almost laughed out loud at, so, when it comes to his demise. The I, whole well, <laughs> I could the whole not thing believe is, it. So there's like this airplane there. So they're on the beach and he's like courting this lady and they're like about to get engaged and get married. 
And they look up and they're like, oh, it's that plane. And, I'm, and I looked it up and it's like this dude flew a plane and it was like the longest plane ride. And they saw it happen because, you know, this is cavalcade and it's the passage of time. So yeah. we have to witness historical Every events. Event. Yeah. But like when they intercut the picture of the plane flying, it's like a toy plane like against like a cardboard background it's like the worst thing they couldn't of all film time. a plane in there like, just film a plane anywhere it's yeah right. and, and then he gets married and they go on their honeymoon oh and my then, god but this is the one this is insane. the one we're gonna have the happiest life ever Do you, this is a honeymoon i'm with you and we love each other and everything's so great okay i can't wait to our, see our future <laughs> and they're Cut. on this boat yeah <laughs> And Cut it comes to the sign or with the buoy or whatever. That's like the Titanic. Titanic. <laughs> I mean, it is so horrible it's and so, like laughably bad. And it's so hammy. This in this movie, like you said, is just chock full of historical bullet points, and right. this family is living through them, and it's all the worst ones. This entire movie is just about how depressing these people's lives are. Like, there's, it, it's like almost like it should be a dark comedy. The way that they give these people such horrendous things like but the, at the time like this is following like the one percenters like this isn't following like your everyday mm-hmm. you know people like this is this is like the people that were living above the crust like yeah and it's like who cares like they weren't on a fancy ship and they paid enough money to get on the fancy yeah. ship and you know what i mean like yeah like that's it's not relatable yeah no like for the rich people like they're the ones like you said they're advantaged and that's the weird thing is it's not like these people were um like had no other choice and they were put in these dire situations like like they they just have the worst luck like they gave this family you know i didn't read anything about if it's based i didn't see if they're based on a true family or anything but it's like they gave these characters the worst luck imaginable where they just happened into these horrible circumstances at every turn yeah yeah it's um i don't know it's that you could see how they felt like this was going to be like these like big um, reveals, you know, like I guarantee you like back in the day when they, re- when they moved away from the buoy and it said Titanic, the crowd was like, Oh, you right. know, but then like we go to the next scene cause you don't see it sink or hit anything. They talk about how cold it is. Right. <laughs> and, and then the next scene, it's like the, it's Edward's family without Edward, obviously. And it's like seven or eight minutes into the scene. And this is scene. where little Joey pops in, I think, right? <laughs> It's like seven or eight. Yeah, exactly. It's like seven or eight minutes into the scene. And then they're like, they don't talk about it. They don't talk about him dying or anything. And they're like, yeah, it, it's terrible that, you know, Ed, Ed, Edward died. You know, but they yeah. don't show. They don't, it, well, and they say, yeah, in the next scene when joey survives in the war or whatever and he's yeah. like well maybe i'll stay safe because my brother drowned or something like that <laughs> right yeah and, and it's just like yeah they don't really address it except for those throwaway lines and i mean i know they saw the sign which hits you like a ton of bricks but it's like again character development let's spend some time with this family mourning the loss not right. fast forward eight years and the throwaway line that the guy died like the interesting stuff is the characters and them going through this pain and loss and how they deal with it and how they overcome things together and right. it, it, they learn something from it. The suffering is all worth it in the end or not, you know, not that it's ever a good thing, but you know what I mean? They can at least grow from it and move on or something, but they don't really address any of these terrible no, things. We just keep no. seeing yeah. terrible thing after terrible thing. And it never goes anywhere, as far as the characters are concerned. Right. No. There, yeah. There's no. There's no nuance at all. Oh. Um, and, and just another thing, just because I'm just gonna, I want to tear this movie apart and, and yeah. make fun of it. But Joe. So Joey gets older. He goes to war. Um, during, uh, I guess, a furlough or something. He's at this place where there's a girl dancing, and it happens to be this girl that he knew from when he was a little kid, or from when he was, you know, 20 years old, and uh, she dances. Oh, okay. And he like wants to go and meet her. The and dressing so he, like, room thing sneaks into the dressing room, right? Could you imagine trying to do that today? <laughs> oh my god! Well, first of all, so there's so many things wrong. Number one, he very unsubtly sneaks into this back area. It's literally the focal point of the room. Everyone right. is looking right there. So there's no way he sneaks into that door. Right. And then he goes inside the the dressing room. She comes in after her set and goes and sits down. The door is wide open. And he's he's like on the other side. He's like on the side of the door, but the door is still wide open. So she starts to undress, 
1933 undressing, so she's still like fully clothed, but she's undressing. And then he like sees that she's undressing. Oh, the leg thing. Could and, you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just have to say, like, this is the third nineteen thirties. He starts pulling his collar right. He's like, when he sees her leg. Like <laughs> it's such a different time where that is the thing where a guy's like, oh, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. His eyes almost popped out of his head like a cartoon. <laughs> yeah, I was wolf. Waiting, yeah, exactly. I was waiting for him to hit the table. Aluga. And so he is going to leave, but then, like, decides to stay and watch the peep show, which there's nothing to peep at, but he stays. And then he gets kind of self-conscious and tries to leave. But, again, the door is wide open. And so he goes to leave, and she turns around and sees him, and she's like, oh, I'm dressing. But it's like, you left the door wide open. Anyone could have walked by and, and seen And then she also you. says, were you here the whole time? And he's like, no. Like, he was not <laughs> sneaky about it at all. And, like, how dumb. She's right there. And then he, she sees him go from inside to out. And she's like, were you there while I was doing this? What do you think? He was right, he was right so, there. And, and it's so creepy. It, 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 you know, definitely in modern eyes. It should have been then. But And she's just, like, not scared, not really fearful. No. She's like, what is, what is going on here? And, and right. you know, I wanted, oh, I just wanted to meet you. Like, n- it's so weird. And then five minutes later, they go up on the roof and fall in love watching the the town get dropped by with bombs. Well, didn't you know it doesn't matter if you're a creeper and you're watching someone in their dressing room get dressed. If you knew them when you were younger, right. then it's fine, right? Like it, it <laughs> makes it, it makes it oh you were a creeper because I knew you. Okay, like so if you right. know the person, be a creeper. Right. Okay, got yeah. it. You spot on me as I undress, but you should go on the roof with me. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it was yeah. It, insane. Love stories, man. These manufactured love stories that back then all through the male gaze yeah like that's perfectly acceptable yeah we've come a long way i mean i know we're not there yet but (laughs) we've come a long way from this yeah and then after this is the montage the war montage oh it's troops marching explosions people dying getting recruited by like these singing recruiter girls make sure you take some migraine medicine if you're gonna (laughs) don't watch this movie if you have to watch this movie because you have a an oscar podcast take your migraine (laughs) medicine before because i'm telling you i was like it was putting me out of my mind it 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 they it could have been thirty seconds, yeah. and they could have been in in the, in the background could have been a tally because they're like showing the the years of the war. Yeah, so there could have been like a tally, up. yeah, like anything. Yeah. But not only not only is this go on for like a Family Guy level like length of like yes. when is this going to end? They do it twice in the movie too. <laughs> the second then, one is just as bad. Right after this montage, <clears throat> excuse me, is a newspaper montage. So it's like they go from montage to montage. Like, okay, we get it. The t- time is moving on, you know? And then they had to, like, show the cavalcade of horses. And it's like, okay, time is marching on. Like, we get it, people. So like, the thing is, they filmed this huge epic, quote-unquote, epic film on a soundstage. This movie was supposed to be filmed in London. And Fox ended up doing it in in California, in Los Angeles, on a soundstage. And so they didn't have the sets to like actually show a huge war going on. And so they just zoomed in and like faded pictures of soldiers marching in and out. You know, like they right. didn't they didn't have the sets required for such an epic. And so that it just feels so ridiculous and small where like you said, it if does. you're gonna if you're just gonna do a, a slideshow with a bunch right. of noise going off, it's like just put up newsreels or, or the newspapers spinning and just show just yeah. show that like you don't need to give someone a migraine and and blast them all these noises and sounds it's just it was ridiculous it didn't really tell any story i saw it didn't. i saw a big mess of just you know it was wow. chaos it yeah, was chaos. chaos is a great way to put it that's all it was yeah and then they come back and you're like okay so we didn't see any war we saw a chaotic montage right and then they come back it it didn't make any sense. I I still struggled to f- to find out what the reasoning was behind it because like they had the budget, they had the they had the studio behind them, Fox, and yet they still they still just couldn't. They were going for like epic and like sweeping, and they, it you know it played no. like bad bad local theater. Right? Yeah. No. Go watch something like Ben Hur. You know right. that's that's an epic. Uh, it Gone with the Wind is an epic from or even like the thirties. Uh, um. All quiet on the Western Front, or hell, right. even Wings, the first yeah, one, right. had way more sweep and epicness to this. Right? No, there's nothing. That's what I mean. There's nothing epic about this, and that's why I think that uh, 
picture of the generation claim is just such ridiculing ridiculous marketing bs because it's not epic it's not sweeping it's not interesting it's not they don't take you to exotic locations it's all on a sound stage and it all just feels small it feels like it takes place on a stage and and you know and that's fine when you're at the theater but uh, they didn't they didn't make interesting enough sets or anything that to make you feel like you were transported to right. another place and so right. it just feels yeah it feels uh, claustrophobic and and small and it doesn't feel like a 30-year epic story no no it didn't and like you know a lot of these conversations are happening in <clears throat> dressing rooms and bedrooms and yeah you know like it's there's no you know there was yeah. one there was a couple of scenes that were like outdoors but even then like the beach scene we still were subjected to like a 10-minute like barbershop quartet yeah, oh, right. There always has to be a musical number because that's like they had no no interesting dialogue or sets. They would do a performance at, like every year. There'd be a performance basically. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, and then I think sometimes, if I remember correctly, I feel like there was some kind of like uh, video screen or something at certain points. Like I, I could tell they were in front of a video, or, or it would have been a projector at that time. But yeah. you know, something to where it's like, yeah, you can tell this is all filmed in a small location. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, one of the things that I've noticed as I'm watching these movies, and I, I'll I'll get in the later episodes, I kind of get obsessed with with the the beginnings of trends and like the yeah. beginning of, beginning of these things that um sure that I just I'm noticing yeah and I because I record these episodes all of, all out of order, I'm seeing some earlier movies um way later than like I've I've seen almost all the movies now. This is like the one of the last ones I have right. to watch. And so I'm watching like the birth of like the newspaper montage uh-huh. and and it happens in like a lot of these movies. I would say like over half of these movies have a newspaper montage. And there's a newspaper montage in here. And like I talk in in a later episode about like where that came from and and when it kind of came over to the United States. But there's a, a newspaper montage in here. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about my newspaper montage. Um there there really isn't much more to say about this movie it's <laughs> it's not good it's fun to tear apart and talk about like the just the inaccuracies of the ages and it's just what that's about the when, joy i got <laughs> what about when joey goes and sees his dad when they're at world war one and uh he goes to see his dad and they're both in the war and he's like oh hey dad he's like oh hey how's your mother i bet she's right. a mess She's doing well. All right. See ya. <laughs> right. Like, it was just such a weird, like, cold greeting for right. two people that they've been at war. They're finally seeing each other. And it was just odd. And the father didn't strike me as a bad father or not loving or anything. But, right. you know, it just was a, I thought it was a weird interaction between those two. Well, and again, like, they're supposed to be at war in World War One, and, and again, this scene the only scene we really get in a war is like in an office inside the off an office building with you hear some maybe explosions in the background or something. Yeah. yeah. Like there's nothing happening. No, nothing happening. How about when, um, at the end of the movie, the, the wife and, um, the wife of the, of the, um, the main guy, the, the master of the house is at this theater watching this production, which we are subjected to watching as well for a long time. Uh, yeah. And then this guy runs out and it was like, the war is over. And then everyone just like starts freaking out. And I thought that was part of the production. <laughs> and so I was like, why is everyone, you know, oh. uh, then the crowd, but then actually like he had like the OG tweet. Like he was, yeah. uh, imagine like finding the news out, like by some random guy just like Kinda yelling on in. the stage. Yeah. Uh, so the, the war is over. The movie ends how it begins. Oh, also, I didn't even talk about this. In the very beginning of the movie, <laughs> how we knew we were going to be in for just some real melodramatic nonsense. The main lady, they had tucked in their children. It's New Year's Eve. There's a new century happening. It's at the eve of 1899. And she looks directly into the camera and addresses the audience about like time and stuff like that. And I was just <laughs> like, oh, no. And so... At the end of the movie, we're back. They're in the same house. They've tucked in their kids. It's New Year's Eve. Don't forget, and Joey has died. <laughs> Joey. It was announced in a letter while her and the Cockney 
maid who's now a a proper lady because she's continued on the barkeeping business after alfred (laughs) died she had the manager run it and i guess you know she's doing fine for herself now but they have this throwdown because basically their their two kids joey and the the performer now who we met in her dressing room Mm -hmm. they're gonna get married and or you know whatever they're in love but he's off at war and then there's they start to do something interesting this is the most interesting thing i think about class right because Mm -hmm. you've got the rich lady and then you had her servant and then the servant left because they got some money from the husband and they were in the war Uh, fighting together and then he goes and opens this bar and then they don't have to be servants anymore and then you know she's the 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 una una's character ellen is i mean she's not high class like the other lady but you know she's running a business and she's got some money now and then when when the main lady finds out that their kids are in love she's kind of like snobby about it and Ellen is like, what? You don't think that my daughter is good enough for you? Know, she's got this <laughs> musical career and she's doing well for herself, but she's not good enough for you, is she? And then a letter yeah. arrives and she opens it and she's like, well, we don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> and then she does the the you know the melodramatic, right. you know, t- terrible fake crying type thing. And uh, right. it's just like there was something interesting there for a second. It said something about class and how yeah. you know the higher upper class looking down on these people and they're they're in love, but one they come from different sides of the tracks. You know that th- thing. And I, it was such a. It's just like a three minute scene that gets thrown away and. And well, what's insane is uh, we've been following this kid for the whole movie. I completely forgot that that happened. I watched this movie last night. Yeah. <laughs> there was no heft, no heft, no weight to No, because to any the guy's in a letter. He's if if there's any main character other than Robert, the character played by Clive Brook, the the yeah. head of the household. If if there's any other main character, it would be this Joey character. You see him from little boy holding a lollipop to being an adult soldier in the war and and you follow him and then he gets this love story that they forced on us and we talked over th- about that mm-hmm. and then the two moms come back together and they've known each other now for decades and one used to work for the other one but then when the kids are 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 in love it's like oh well this you know the upper class lady of course isn't cool with that and it starts that fight and then mm. yeah and then this other ser- the new servant whoever walks in with the letter and it's over like yeah that was joey he's dead yeah and you don't really address it you don't really address her mourning because then no. it like flash cuts to the next scene which is like you said new year's eve again these people like cheers to the new year every time they celebrate new years it's like oh yeah this is gonna be our year oh no our kids are gonna die we're gonna be at war we, you know all these horrible right. things happen and 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 then it ends and you're like what <laughs> what, yeah. what was the point of this movie it, yeah there was no statement other than just like oh. time moves on life sucks what is yeah. that what you were trying to tell me because i didn't care about these characters i didn't feel them really grow or learn from it they didn't have any kind of like outlook on life other than i mean the husband i mean the the, the husband now who's you know pretty old and i guess retired from the military but mm. he's at home and he's like you know well at least we have each other it's like yeah our kids are dead <laughs> things are terrible war's always gonna happen again right. and uh oh and we didn't even talk about how when little when little I say little Joey, you know, again, adult actor playing like a 10-year-old comes in and he's like, oh, won't this be fun? We're going to war. Oh, I can't can't last too long. Daddy said it will only be three months and they can't afford it. Like, marvelous. Right. It's just like, they're like, he's like being so ridiculous. And again, if it were a real kid doing it, you wouldn't, you know, they're a kid, but having this adult guy talk like that about war and everything, it seems so silly. Yeah. It's, I mean, it was confusing. Like, I literally, I was like, this guy is like... 18, 19 years old. I don't know why. Is yeah. He? yeah. It's a, a real head scratcher. So, but it ends leaving you on with no, no positivity, no hopefulness. Like what does this movie leave you with other than what I feel like is an American song at the end? Yeah. Uh, no, that like was Let God Freedom. Save the Queen, wasn't it? I don't, I feel like the song that they were playing at the end of the movie to me was like, let freedom ring or something unless i'm <laughs> uh, and i'm it, like what is happening it very here? well may have <laughs> it's like this know. is this is a 
it's supposed to be a British movie. It's a yeah. British play, mm. and again, they filmed it at the Fox lot in right. in you know Burbank, Los Angeles. In Bur- yeah, uh, you know, but it was supposed to be in London. It's a London story. They got a London <laughs> a British cast, and then you know, I I swear they played "Let Freedom Ring" at the end, unless there's like a tune that's the exact same tune. But I was like, wait, what are we doing here with this very British movie? <laughs> I had to appeal to the American audiences. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Fox well, I mean, is like we're gonna get ours. <laughs> Look at all this terrible stuff over there in England. Let freedom ring. <laughs> Watch Fox movies, right? Please. <laughs> um, I mean, overall, this movie is terrible. You shouldn't watch it. I hope you do watch it so you can follow along with me as I take this oh, journey. That's mean. But <laughs> this one was rough, and not only was it rough, it was like an hour and almost two hours of of just nonsense. Well, two hours of nothing. I mean, yeah. seriously, I'm not trying to just totally undermine the the fine folks that worked on this movie, but seriously, again, the story is so slight. They have to pad it with musical numbers at every turn. The you know, there's nothing interesting to look at. It's just, it's. I I I watched the movie. I mean, the best thing to come out of it, I think, was the conversation, the chance to talk to you on your show about it. But, <laughs> but I left it being like, I feel like I just wasted two hours. There was nothing. Oh, oh yeah. You know what I mean? Watching the movie yeah. did not leave me with any kind of hopefulness. I didn't see any really type of creativity. I didn't go like, no. oh, that's so interesting how they filmed this and that. And oh, I can see where this is inspiration. Like right. when you watch something like Wings and you see that uh, tracking shot over the tables and stuff, and then you see Ryan Johnson do it in The Last Jedi, and you're like, oh, uh-huh. cool. He's paying homage to that really interesting scene that back in right. 1920s, they had to film with all these dollies and they had to cut tables in half so they could lift them so the dolly could go through it and all that. Like that's the technical stuff that gets me excited about filmmaking. The yeah. ingenuity that people before there was CG, before there were computers, people are figuring out how to do this cool stuff. That's cool. But this movie did not impress me with cinematography, with sound mixing, with performances. Nothing. I don't know. I mean, for this to win Best Picture of the entire year, Best Director, like, I don't find deserving. I mean, art direction, I didn't find the art direction very good at all. Like, no, ma- it's just because there was a lot of stuff that, you know, they filmed on a big yeah. ship. Yeah, so I mean, I don't think it was deserving. Like, I'm sorry, it does not feel like it deserved the Oscars that it won. I think maybe, I mean, the nomination for best actress was the most deserving. You know, that nomination at least was probably the most deserving nomination the film got. But yeah, yeah, I I think in my letterbox review, I think I gave this a one, and I think the only reason I did is because I didn't give it a half star is because the, the newspaper montage because <laughs> I like seeing those things. Speaking but of this, newspapers, yeah, I mean, you had me on in 1933, even though you're filming this late. It's an early one. Man, Citizen Kane is coming up. Yeah, that's that's in the that's in the, uh, that's, that's the I next mean, decade. It, do I, I mean, if there's any payback for having to watch this movie, <laughs> if you, I mean, I'm just saying I can be available. Uh, talk about a good one. <laughs> if it's not already taken, uh, I will have you back for Citizen Kane. Um. Actually, that movie didn't win Best Picture. How Green Was My Valley won. But that's right. Yeah, <laughs> we can. We, I can have you on for How that's Green right. Was it's My only Valley. Best Picture winners. That's right. That yeah. Right. Because uh, he won Best Director, right? Um, Isn't that, that sounds what? right. <laughs> I don't know. You would think it won Best Picture. But you would um, think it did. But, I, but there was a whole. But there was a whole thing, like because he was going up against um, the newspaper guy. You know what I mean? Like there was. It's, right. It's a whole. It's a whole thing. Um, yeah. It was nominated for Best Picture, nominated uh-huh. for Best Director. It uh-huh. won the Oscar for Best Writing. That's what it is. Mankiewicz gotcha. and Wells. So, but it only won one Oscar, but it was way more deserving. But because of, right. you know, because of the people that he was poking fun at, right? It it screwed him over. Basically, it should have won those things. Though. Well, he was also up against like John Ford, you know, and he was like this yeah. young young gun coming out. True. Um, yeah, I, I, it's a one for me. It's not good. <clears throat> I'll get into the the 1932, 1933 Oscars in a second. But yeah. what is your what is your overall thought and, and rating? Oh, I mean, it, this is bad. It's <laughs> it's very bad. It's the worst best picture winner I've ever seen by far. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I cannot believe they would give this best picture. Like, if you would have said Little Women won best picture over this, I'd believe it. You know, like I would never right. believe that this this is a pure spectacle of people at the time didn't think this thing could be filmed. It's a very of the time type of decision. Um, you know, the merit was not there for it. I, I grade things on letter grades. I this would be a D minus maybe. I don't yeah. think it, it's not an F. It's not a you know, it was in focus. There were some right. things that were okay, but mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But it's very low. D minus D. Yeah. Oh low. Yeah. Low, low, low. Very. Um so uh this was the sixth Academy Awards. Um I like to just talk a little bit. About, it's not an awards podcast. We're just doing best pictures or film podcast. But I do like. There's a lot of things that have happened at the uh, Oscars that are film relevant, and some just things that were just insane. So these awards were hosted by Will Rogers, uh, and so Rogers presented this uh, the best director award. And this year, uh, Frank Capra was up for uh, Lady for a Day, and he was up against um, Frank Lloyd for this movie. Yeah. And so when he opened up the envelope, he said. Come on, get up here, Frank. Oh. And so Frank Capra like jumps up oh. and was like screaming and like waving his hands and then uh got like halfway there and he's like Frank Frank Lloyd. <laughs> and oh. so Frank Capra had to do his walk of shame. He would make up for that and Capra would go on to win a bunch of stuff, but um The Oscar goes to La La Land. <laughs> exactly. He pulled a Warren Beatty, uh which is uh pretty great. This is also the last time that the Oscars the eligibility period was spread over two different calendar years because it was like oh. ran in like seasons. So now after this, it's going to be like a calendar year. Okay. Um, and it'd be like the, I think the most, um, up to this point, the most a picture had been nominated was like four times. And this is the last time that that'll happen. Uh, but this year, the best picture nominees were A Farewell to Arms, 42nd Street, Lady for a Day, Little Women, The Private Life of Henry VIII, she done him wrong, smiling through State Fair, and I am a fugitive from a chain gang. Um, I've actually seen several of these, and I gotta say, I'm a fugitive from a chain gang. If you watch any movie from the 1933, watch I'm a fugitive from a chain gang. Paul Mooney. I've never seen it. Paul Mooney's Next Level. I think it's on HBO Max right now. It's okay. it's it's amazing. Like it really is really good movie. It'll hold you the entire time. Paul Mooney's Next Level, amazing. Um. The just the 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 force. This should have been like the I'm a fugitive from a chain gang episode. Paul Mooney, yeah, um, should have won best actor. He's has he's got like this nuance and and the air this air about him. Like you can just tell he's just on another level from like everybody else in that movie. Um, have you thought about doing a like a companion podcast? And the winner should have been. Um, I thought about it, but I just don't have. I don't have time. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. Because, I mean, those are the ones to where, like, Citizen Kane, like, how do you not touch upon that? But it didn't win, so well, you can't. Well, definitely we'll talk about it. Like, but, like, I wanted, when I originally had this idea, I wanted to watch every nominee that year. And, like, oh, you know, this wow. year there was 12 nominees. Like, I just, <laughs> no well, thank you. <laughs> in 34 Oscars or, or, like, 20, 23 Oscars? These Oscars the from ni- the 1932-1933 Oscars. 20, um, 12 was, nominees for Best Picture? There was 12 nominees for Best Picture this year. Oh, uh, the so year it worked. That, in, okay, that that's cavalcade weird. one. Yeah. Okay, jeez. <laughs> but, you know, there was also a lot of, you know, before this, uh, Louis B. Mayer at MGM basically started the Academy um, to kind of, like, interfere with, like, the unions and things like that. And then it kind of became, like, this award show. And he basically just handpicked the winners from his MGM shingle. Um, and, and this, this is a Fox picture, but there was still a lot of there, you know, this wasn't, it, it'll be a few years. I think 1935 is when they certified the Oscar ballot with like an auditing firm. So this is pre certification by an audit. So this is just like the wild west of like, mm, we're going to pick this movie. Um, definitely a lot of shenanigans, uh, in, the, in these early Oscars. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's, you just wonder like back then with these being so promotional and trying to like, I don't know, things were just, it's a different time. So you just wonder back then in the thirties, like what was going on and what the voters were thinking. And well, even, even Louis B. Mayer is like on record saying the only way I could control 
some of these actors was by giving them shiny trophies. Yeah, which is cra- <laughs> yeah, which is crazy. It's like so a lot of those early it. winners are like, if you play nice, we'll give you this nice shiny. Yeah, award. it's just like oh, to think about the way that things were done. So like, there, this is going back so far that if you don't know the history, like if you don't read up and know the recorded history of this stuff, mm. like. You know, we don't know personally, like we don't 100% know why this won Best Picture, but there could have been stuff like that happening. I mean, I'm not, I don't know that it was, but you know, like we don't know the answer. We yeah. just look at 1934 Oscars or whatever, you know, and we see right. Cavalcade and, you know, we don't know the story behind that or what things were like. And mm-hmm. the Oscar, the Oscars back in the, before they started auditing, um, like I said before, just full of shenanigans. And so the people that should have won, I, you know, I try to be, I try to look it up and I, but there's just, it's just all rumors and, Nothing concrete. I think the Academy tries to maybe even like suppress and hide some of this sure. early stuff, just like because they're so prestigious now, um, right? And there's so, there's so many safeguards now, and it's just a lot different than it was. But back then, when something's founded in a different time and before, uh, easy access to media and information and everything, mm-hmm. and especially when you had people that controlled the media, like you know. Um, you know, like we talked about with Citizen Kane earlier, right? And like how mm-hmm. he didn't win a lot of awards and was blacklisted and all this stuff because, um, you know, because he had it out for people in power. And so right. they can control stuff like that. And it's a lot harder to do now. I'm not saying they don't try, but we all right. have such access. We can get on the right. internet and we can do the research for ourselves and we can put up our pull up archival footage and newspaper mm-hmm. reels and things. You know, we have so much access to information that they, you know, they can't control things like that as much as they used to or at least not but not in front of the doors just ball behind the doors right <laughs> uh that's it for this week thanks everyone for listening i'll be back next episode talking with edwin arnauden of Asheville movies talking about frank capra's uh it happened one night if you want to watch that film and be ready for the next episode you can find it uh on amazon for a couple of bucks rental i think it's also on crackle and tubi as of this recording might not be there anymore you can find this show on twitter on twitter at winner was pod on facebook and the winner was podcast i'm on letterboxd find me over there email the show tell me what you think winner was podcast at gmail.com kevin where can we find you in your work well, thanks again for having me. It was really fun to talk to you, even though it was about Cavalcade, but uh, it, it, it was fun for the conversation. Uh, we do a podcast called Real Spoilers, where if you can't figure it out by the title, we spoil movies. So if you don't like to be spoiled or haven't seen the movie yet, maybe hold off, but we have over 730 episodes. We've been podcasting since 2013. So there's a lot of movies that you've surely already seen that you don't mind getting spoiled, or if you don't care about spoilers and you want to know maybe, is it worth going to the theater or should I wait? You can listen and make that decision. So you can find us, of course, on all the podcatchers, and we have a Facebook page and a Facebook group and everything. But yeah, we, we try to spoil what we think will be the biggest movie of the week we kind of think of ourselves as like a book club for movies or uh i I used to joke about like back when people went out but now people are going out again but you know for the last couple years it's like remember when you used to go out to the movies and then afterwards go grab a drink with your friends and talk about what you just saw grab food or whatever you know we try to be that conversation it's three friends sometimes we have a guest on and we're just chatting about the movie that we saw we're not getting too analytical about it we're not you know doing a whole bunch of prep or written prepared written statements it's like seriously when you watch a movie and talk about it with your friends that's what we like to do so you can find us anywhere just search for real spoilers we're even on youtube now we do video and uh, you can follow me personally on twitter at kevin r bracket excellent thank you very much yeah follow those guys uh, a lot of fun conversations and, and silliness um kevin thanks again for being here uh, i'll see everyone next week thank you bye